So um, I just heard one hallelujah, and that was awesome. Praise you, Lord. We need you and we love you. Our kids are um, exiting, and we're, we're going to venture into the third chapter of the book of Philippians. Been walking through this letter for a while. And this is uh, part B of this, and I will let you know in about um, 30 minutes to an hour whether there's a part C or not. This scripture is so rich and so beautiful. Um, I'm excited to see Sandy Semino sitting in the room. Been quite a week. Um, Sarah in the room, been quite a week. And I haven't seen Cindy. Is Cindy Bradley in the room? So uh, Sarah in Ecuador this week, kind of normal to say, hey, here's where our church, they scattered across to the nations. So welcome back. Glad you're here. Your face looks bright with joy. Um, I talked to uh, Sandy a little bit. Um, She inundated me from the airport in Haiti with uh, pictures and videos and made my heart ache for that nation. And uh, but my favorite story that she shared so far, and we'll probably hear a few more over time was um, we had an initiative in this church very spiritually entitled Heinies for Haiti. And so um, we, uh, she went over to do um, uh, hygiene with young girls and with families and to just invest in our educational uh, part of the day. And I think one of the early days in school, she just kind of, the reality struck that they were missing some little girls. They went over uh, to their home, found out why they were missing. They were missing because they were missing elements that go under their skirts, she said, this is why God sent us. And I love our Lord and his grace and his goodness to use the most beautiful circumstance to say, here's Jesus and here's Mandarin Baptist. And she put pictures, I should have had pictures for this moment of the amazing response of this church in one week's time to send socks and underwear and men's clothes and all just, just stuff. Way to go, church. You were directly used by God. Um, Cindy was in Guatemala this week working in a malnutrition or better stated a nutrition center. And that's hopefully just normal for our church. So we're seeing people across the globe. We pray for them and we say, we're glad you're back home. And uh, I don't know if Mike and Bonnie are in the room. Anybody know that? They're in the States. They're not in the room. So sometime over the next month, we'll, um, if they were here, I wanted to say hello to them. Mike and Bonnie Snyder. This is their church family. They are uh, living full-time in Haiti and they're home uh, for the month of November, kind of probably traveling to see kids and do various things. So what an extraordinarily beautiful time. And that really leads us into what Paul is saying in the third chapter. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to strain for this idea of knowing Christ and I'm going to make that my goal. And out of that goal, there will be... Um, there will be a life that is purposed for the sake of God's glory. So for me to know Christ will be to make him known. And so that's, that's my prayer as we walk our way through the scripture. And I, I believe there is a direct ladder that, that we are to climb according to Philippians 3, 12 through 21, of maturity as a body of believers, of individual responsibility as, an, as a believer in Jesus Christ, and what it means to be a faith family. And so um, I want to be very fair in saying that I've had an extraordinary experience with God this week. I've, I've taught this book of the Bible before. I've walked through it before. I've memorized this book of the Bible. But um, God just burdened and, more importantly, kind of blew up my heart over this text. And so I don't fully anticipate that the Holy Spirit will work the same way with you that he did with me. But I, I want to welcome him here. 
And I want to welcome him to do what Paul prayed in the second chapter of the book of Ephesians, to open the eyes of our heart for this purpose so that we could be enlightened to see God, to be um, experiential of the revelation of the goodness of God among his people. And so can I, I think I just prayed that over us by quoting scripture, but can I, since, you know, some of us have to say, let's pray now, I'll say that. So let's pray now. Um, Holy Spirit, uh, we welcome you. Um, I pray that that can be a universal truth, that we come to you as Ryan has taught us with hearts of praise. We, we walk into our faith family. We walk into Zion um, with jubilant boasting, Lord. And we fully anticipate that you are going to amplify the praise of our lips and the praise of our hearts. And so Jesus, I pray that you would teach us according to your word that you would deepen us as a family of faith. God, I pray that you would steep us in the truth of Scripture. God, I am I'm asking you to do what you have promised you would do, that you would renew our minds, and in doing so, that you would conform us and transform us into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. So Lord, um, if that's going to happen, we need you. And it's not some uh, song that says every hour and we sing it, Lord, in the next few moments, we need you and we come before you and put our lives up under your authority and ask you through your spirit to teach us according to your word and develop us more and more into the image and likeness of Jesus. We pray that in his name and for the hope of him. Um, everyone that's in agreement says amen. amen. That's good. That's a good amen. And so Philippians the third chapter says um, these words. It says in verses 12 through 14, he's already set his goal. I just want to know Jesus. Um, I want to know Jesus in the middle of his suffering. And some of you have walked in other nations and seen it. I want to know Jesus in the middle of the suffering of this city, in the middle of the suffering of my family members, in the middle of the most difficult places because um, I long to make him known. And I want to be in the midst of him as the um, goal of my heart. Here's what we say, though, as a body of believers, verse 12 that we could have a, a united confession around this truth, joining with Paul, I'm not there. And I haven't reached the goal. I'm not already made perfect. But I want to make every effort to take hold of this, this longing of knowing Jesus, because I have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, we should kind of look at each other almost as we say this, faith, family, Mandarin church, I look at you as brothers and sisters and say this, I don't consider myself having taken hold of this yet. But here's what you can bank on for me. One thing that I will do as I walk this earth, forgetting what is behind and reaching toward what is ahead, I will pursue as my goal the prized promise of God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. There should be like a sister and brotherhood happening among us as the Holy Spirit guides us to say, here will be the heavenly lean of my soul. Here will be the strain of my mind. Here will be the passion of my heart. I want you to know that we'll lean together if you want to join with me. We want, if there is one thing we will be about, it will be this. We want to know Jesus. And we want him to be known among us. And we want to strain for this. I shared a few weeks ago um, that this is a really a, an athletic endurance striving for the sake of the gospel. 
I, I wrote this sentence and it should come up on the screen. Dallas Willard had a quote about this idea. Imagine what could happen among us. I'll add my own thoughts to this. If there was a holy lean among us where we looked at each other and said, Hey, brother, hey, sister. I want you to know this will be the strain of my soul. That I'm not there. But the strain of my soul is to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, and by his grace and for his glory, the eternal redemption of my soul. I'm not there, but brothers and sisters, I'm leaning. Imagine that this life, this life with God that we would share together as reality on earth if we were centered in this lean and in the purposes and passion of God. I, um, I saw on the news this week, for me personally, an extraordinarily, well, personally it was, a personal and painful reality pop up. It was on every news feed, and I would imagine the nation I am about to mention does not have a popularity-winning contest in America right now. But when I opened the news, which I typically do by clicking on a link online and saw on Monday or Tuesday morning of another issue, another terrorist attack in our nation. But when the nation came up, my heart was throttled because the nation was Uzbekistan. It's been in our news all week. It's a nation that our church where we were prior to here was partnered for five to seven years. It's a nation where dozens of my friends have gone. It's a nation where Cynthia and I went together and was sat down with so many who were there. It's a nation where we began partnering 17 years prior and there were two identified believers. And it's a nation when we were removed from that country being we believers, Europeans, and um, North Americans were removed from that country where we could identify a house church in half of the counties and multitudes of believers who were falling in love with Jesus. And I read the headlines and went, Oh God, I love that place. And oh Father, that you would draw us for the sake and the strain of the gospel to most difficult of places. And I immediately thought of my friend, who I won't name because he continues in a 1040 window nation. He is the most eccentric, and that is a nice word for strange guy I have ever met. He, I mean, he truly has idiosyncrasies that would not, I don't think he would make it here in America. And um, I hope he's not chiming in, although I've laughed with him about his idiosyncrasies. And yet, but yet, with that, he is brilliant. Here, here is his heart cry and what he does um, in that country. And I guess, um, I, well, he's not in that country anymore, so I can talk about it now. I was almost to tell, turn off Facebook because we shouldn't be talking about this right now. But what he has done in that country, he's now removed from that country, um, is to run a printing press. That's his whole passion. It's, way, it's far bigger than that. But his printing press is um, putting out in the heart language of the people the scripture. And also, he's, um, as he was there for several years, quite a few years, he began to realize not only um, the scripture, but, but intentional discipleship processes. And so um, I went in and stood with him and his idiosyncrasies. And um, I, I would tell you about them, but I think it's kind of gross. And so I'm not going to share them. But I went and stood with him. Um, one example, he, he, um, you would, no, I can't. I mean, he loves, he, I can't, I just can't, as I love him too much, I'm not. So um, it would throw you off, though. You would be like going, are you picking your nose right now? Yes, you are. That's one of them. And so, um, 
See, I shouldn't have. And so, but I, I was standing with him and he's talking about the printing press and telling me the stories and how, what they have done and the price paid for that and the risk that he's living under in the middle of that and the strain of his heart and soul. And um, he, would, he will tell you where it has been, where it has gone, how he has taken the words of Scripture and planted them in souls, the price that he has paid for that, the risk that is inherently involved, how many times they've moved the presses, how many different dark rooms underneath places that's gone, how many times the presses have been stolen from them or he's walked in and they were beaten and broken because this was not the way of the people of that nation. And I just looked at him and I, I, um, I didn't ask it in this way because this is way too blatant, but um, I, I just looked at him and like, why the risk? Why, why would you do this? Why would you scramble? Why would you be about this? And I, this is his exact words when I kind of circled around and went, I don't understand what you would do or why you would do this. And he just said, I want them to know my Jesus. This is that simple. There's nothing complicated about my answer. I will risk peril. I will risk imprisonment. I will risk continuously taking up these large... Um, machines and moving them in the middle of the night if word comes to us that we've been found i will risk all of that because here's my real answer i just want them to know my jesus he didn't he didn't grow i want him to know jesus that would be a nice sentence in itself this is deeply personal to him and this is deeply deeply worthy of risk for him and i read that and i thought oh god There are house churches all over. There's a movement that starts on the nation of China that's sweeping across this nation I'm describing now is directly um, tied to China. Their whole heart is to move with the gospel across the 1040 window until they reach Europe. You won't hear a lot about this, but they are willing to risk life and limb for the sake of the gospel, carrying it through the unreached people groups until they land in Europe saying, we have carried the gospel across to the nations. It's powerful. What would behoove them? I don't know. I just want them to know my Jesus. Here's why. He is the treasure of my soul. I have been walking in a field and stepped on something and dug it up and found the greatest treasure worthy of me selling everything. I just want them to know my Jesus. And I have wholesaled every other thing for the sake of that. And that was powerful to hear that from him. And then I went, and I was going to have a piece of paper in my hand at this moment. I don't have it, but I went um, at night to a house church. And I sat down in the middle of that church, and we, you know, they don't do church in an hour and 15 minutes. I mean, it it goes from the time most people go to sleep until almost dawn. And, And they gather extraordinarily secretly. We drove into this area, circled it back three or four times, then backed in, no lights, just... And just sat down in the church and I was set across from him and this beautiful lady pulled out a piece of paper that was brown from the soil of her hands in the earth and just began to read from it. And it was the word of God in their heart language and then began to pass it. And I looked at him and he was looking at me and saying, this is why it's worth it. So what's going on in your life that's worth it? What's going on in your life where you would say, for the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ, I will move heaven and earth for this. This is the one thing that I'm about. Believers in Jesus here in America, you don't have to go to another nation to say, I want to look across at your eyes at some points and go, this is worth 
the risk. This was worth the cost. This was worth the passion. This is, it's worth it. Why? Why would you do that? Because I just want them to know my Jesus. Here's where I think we start learning from Scripture. This is, this is where we learn why this doesn't happen a lot among us as believers. And I think he outlines for us just ladders for how we do move forward in our faith. We've already talked about verses 15 and 16, so I'm, I would say I'm not going to say anything, but we should read them. I pursue as my goal, verse 14 says, the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ. That's my goal. I'm putting everything behind. I am reaching to know Jesus. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this to you. In any case, you've reached a certain point in your life and you've had enough scripture imbued in your life. You should live to the level that you've attained at this point. And it's surprising at times when I bump into you and there's such an immaturity in your life. And is it plausible where we went um, two weeks ago, is it plausible that there's an immaturity about our lives because we lack in the capacity to say, God, bring renewal to our soul. Paul is saying in verse 15 and 16, look, believers in Christ are going to come face to face with the scripture. The book of James says the scripture is a mirror to who we are and who it is. And we are going to look into the mirror of God's word. And and Romans 12 says this, that we're going to be transformed by the power of the word of God. And a body of believers that's being transformed are going to change their mind often because they realize that that they were carrying a mindset that was not of Christ. And when they look into the mirror of the scripture, their lives are being renewed on a daily basis. And so therefore, renewal is happening in their mind. And we're moving with God. And we're maturing with God. And we're living to the level we've attained. I, I came to know Christ at nine years old. That's like 42 years ago at this point. There should be some maturity going on in my soul and some radical life transformation. I should be living to the level that I attained. Not only did I attain that, I had the privilege of parents who opened the word of God with me. Many of us did. There should be a maturity about you. There should be a renewal going on in your life. You should be moving with God. You should this week, as you were in the Word, said, I've been thinking in a radically, completely different way than I should because I'm looking at the Scripture, I'm looking at me, and they don't match, so what do I do? Well, I'm not there yet, but I am in a strain toward the eternal purposes of God in Christ Jesus. We're going we're to land at the end of this passage, and, and I'm already kind of feeling like we may not get there today. So I kind of laid that out at the beginning. But we're going to land at the end going, I grieve and agonize over the lost. And I will move everything in my life to advance the name of Jesus. And I fully believe that the reason that does not, that is not the declaration of the typical follower of Jesus is because we first didn't say to God, renew my heart and mind on a constant basis. Therefore, we, could, we, we don't agonize over loss. Many of us don't even care. We would rather stay with our comfort level and our own ability for our own personal enjoyment than mobilize for the sake of the loss. And yet Paul says, I'm agonized over this. I am impassioned over this. And it's because my heart and mind are renewing in Jesus who came to seek and to save the lost. Who came to move heaven and earth for the sake of the gospel of which he is. 
So I just look with that God and go, God, I, I am praying for a sense of renewal. Paul says, Philippians, Philippians, God's going to grow this grace in this community. The reason he was confident of this is because it is Christ's community. And if he started it, he is going to complete it. And God is moving among us if we're living out in the scripture. So God, renew my mind. I see him in verse 17 saying, look, something so brazen. Listen to his words. Listen to, can you imagine saying this? My target is Jesus. I'm going to strain for that. He's going to consistently renew my mind. I'm going to recognize the opportunity and stewardship of the privilege that he has given me. And I'm going to grow in that. And here's what you should do. Join in imitating me, brothers and sisters. And pay careful attention to those who live according to the example given you. Can you fathom that? That feels so brazen. Like, um, can you imagine your pastor? That would be me standing up and saying, okay, here's the message. Imitate me. That's first of all terrifying. Amen? <laughs> Imitate me. And oh, by the way, pay careful attention to those around you who are walking out this godly joy in Christ. Their lives are tela, ta- whatever that is. Tele- yeah, I just, I forgot. Their lives are boastful rejoicing, and it's loud. Their lives are loud for the sake of the gospel. Imitate me. This would be brazen until you read the rest of Paul's words, and I will only read a few of them. What a bold statement, except here's who he's asking you to imitate. One who is hidden with Christ in God. Imitate me. He's saying there there is this powerful reality to my life that it is Christ in me that is my only hope of glory. So imitate me and when you raise your head up and look around, follow those. Pay careful attention to the people who are walking in that manner because I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life that I live by body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Follow that. He says, look, I want you to know it's by grace that I've been saved through faith. It is a gift of God. I have nothing to boast about. And so here's where I will boast, that he has ordained my days and directed my steps. And so glory to God in the highest. If I'm going to boast, Galatians says, it's going to be in the cross of Jesus Christ. For in the cross of Jesus Christ, the world has died to me and I have died to the world. Imitate me. And we look at folks and say, and oh, by the way, church, we should, we, could look, we should have our head up and looking around. Who should we pay careful attention to as we walk this? I, I put the first, look, you don't, you don't reach this without this ladder. God, you are renewing my soul and you're transforming me to the image of Christ. Because you're doing that, I don't hesitate in saying, follow me because to follow me is to follow Jesus. So there's a ladder here. There's a progression here and don't miss it. Again, the reason that that we won't reach the next level progression of the passion for the lost is because our lives are challenged in renewal and we don't recognize the full stewardship responsibility to look at the brothers and sisters around us and say, it is my critical responsibility to say to you, follow me and you'll get to Jesus. Look, I, I I don't say this lightly. Do you recognize that's our role as the body of Christ? This isn't a passage that... Paul saying, I hope, good luck with that, I'm going to live this out. He's saying, hey church, Philippi, imitate one another and pay careful attention to those who are walking in the fullness of the Spirit of God. Is that you? 
Do you sense running around in this fellowship, this, this idea of looking at one another and saying, I'm following you, come follow me. At the end trail will be Jesus. And there should be silence. That is a moment in our hearts of saying, I'm so jubilant for the people who have given me that privilege of following them. Imitate me, for I am full of Christ. I thought of my friend who just said, I want them to know my Jesus. I got one other experience with him while I was there. I was sitting in a home, and, um, and the guy that leads music rolled in, and he brought in with him, uh, he brought in with him stacks of music and um, handed it to him. It was what he was tasked to do about a year prior. This guy comes in once a year, and the guy just looked at him, and, and what our missionary friend said to me is this, what you don't understand is I know that there are some big rock star names, and we can, you can name them in your part of the world. You're, you're, the guy sitting right here with a guitar, jeans on, and you've never heard his name, is writing hymns that are being sung across this 1040 window. The guy right here who picks his nose, he's printing them off to be handed out. The underground church that's going on, this, this is the passing of the torch. They will be singing this all across the 1040 window. And I'm just going, oh my goodness. I was sitting there going, why would you do this? Why would you risk this? Here's why. I just want them to know my Jesus. I ran across a great example. We had one in our Discover Mandarin class. A beautiful lady who's um, up, up in her years, 91 years old, saying, I'm filled with Jesus' joy and I just want to be a part of his church wherever I'm living. And right now I'm living here and I'm going to have joy in this. I ran across a 101-year-old woman who's kind of saying, if Jesus is in my life, you should pay attention to it and follow me. I, I threw this out of the staff and I thought, this, this is who I want to imitate, um, you who are close to 101. I'm, I'm close Closer than my kid. I'm, I'm halfway there. And, and I want in 50 years to be talking like this. You should turn your eyes to the screen and see what a 101-year-old looks like that we should follow.
Isn't that good? So I'm the only one crying in the room saying, we got this going on right here. <laughs> I, I just hope that they come to know my Lord. Another friend, a little different, equally passionate. I just, I just want them to know my Jesus. I, I don't think that that's a haphazard response. I think it's an admonition from Paul. and It's a discipline of our heart. To say, Lord, if I'm, if I'm on this earth 101 years, um, I'm going to pray that there are some dresses that will scatter across the globe and 9.4 million people um, on a network might see my own heart for Jesus. Or if two people do. Be, be worthy, Lord. I just want to know you. I want to just close this service reading this scripture and we will reopen next Sunday asking this question, God, are we walking in renewal? And is it the desire of our soul that we want them simply to know our Jesus? Paul says in Philippians 3.10, my goal is to know him. The power is resurrection. The fellowship of his sufferings. Being conformed to his death and assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Not that I've already reached the goal. I'm already perfect. But I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. So beautiful. Thank you, Lord. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ. Therefore, this is a stewardship. The therefore is a turn toward a stewardship of each one of us in our walk with Christ. Therefore, Lord, let all of us who are mature think this way. Shine the mirror of your scripture on our soul. If we think differently about anything, God, reveal this to us. In any case, I want to live to whatever truth that I have attained in Christ. What he's saying is, I want to be obedient to that which I have already heard. And I want a heart of obedience to define me. Join in me then, because that's who I am, in imitating me, brothers and sisters. And pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. Could it be enough to say for us as a um, heart cry to God, I don't think it's biblically strange to ask people to follow me. I fundamentally agreed with the pastor a minute ago, but I think I read scripture and if my heart and mind are being renewed, I should stand before my peers and I should pay attention and they should pay attention to me and they should imitate that because it will lead them to Jesus. That's a stewardship that God has placed before you today. And the reason it is your stewardship now is you've been made aware of it through scripture. Secondly, I will only be able to do that when my mind and heart are being renewed in Christ. And so therefore, Lord, I am going to pursue your scripture. 
I am going to build my life on truth. I am going to adjust my ways when truth and my will come together and follow the ways of your truth. And I'm going to ask you to direct me there. And that then is a stewardship for you. Because you've been made aware today, this morning, of the truth of Scripture and the expectancy of the call of God on each one of our lives. And this is an individual, and I know we like to make this an individual sport. This is a corporate body call of God to say, renew my heart and mind. Bring us together for this purpose. Allow us to be imitators of Christ together. Let us pay careful attention to one another. And let us walk this out. And let us have story after story like my friend, like the other, like stories that make up this room so that Jesus is glorified and the kingdom is amplified. Yes and amen. Praise you, Lord. Father, thank you for the privilege of opening your scripture. And thank you for the privilege of your Holy Spirit opening our hearts. Lord, fill us with your truth. And God, let us with open hands and open mouths receive it. And God, let us now move that into our lives and steward well for the sake of your kingdom advance. Lord, we need you and we love you. God, we come to a point in the service where we wrestle with, sing about, and hold out before you the stewardship that you have given us. And so Jesus, I hope that we don't just close up books and wrestle around and prepare to leave. But God, I pray that we will open hands and hearts to you to guide us into the places of obedience that you have for each one of us individually and for what you have for us corporately. God, we are your people. We are here for the sake of your glory. God, our target is Christ. Let him be made known within us so that he can be made known through us. Church, as we conclude our service, we tend to conclude our time gathering in a song. We tend to have a place of just honesty before the Lord. We, we have an open altar where you might, so we want to come and pray about your stewardship before God. We have some of our pastors gather at the front because many of you want to hear your name lifted before the Father. So we would count it a joy to pray for you. But I want to be really clear biblically, there is no mediator between God and men other than the Spirit. So you may just want to come and kneel in an altar and speak to King Jesus. You may want to come and ask Matt or Dr. Dan or myself to pray for you. As we close in this song, maybe the most spiritual thing you'll do is not to sing. But turn to a friend around you who you've watched and just share what God is doing. We just really leave this moment as sacred space for the Holy Spirit to draw us into his truth and for us to respond to his truth. So Jesus, I pray that we would steward this moment well for your sake. As you stand and sing, this altar is open. Our pastors are coming here to the front. Our time is just before the Lord, the King of glory. Would you stand with me, worship with me?